Hey everyone, and welcome to the JK Journeys weekly professional talk and podcast. The podcast and community aimed at giving you the information you need to be the best, happiest, and most practically ready athlete or individual you can be. This week on the podcast, we as usual briefly jump into all things community, but for the main session, we've got Joe Fidlockle, our in-house nutritionist, to give us insight into an introduction to macronutrients and further how we can use these effectively, applying them to meal timing to give us consistent energy throughout the day. So let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back. So again, I'm Jake, head coach here at JK Journey. I'm also here with James. Hey everyone. Alan, we're here with Joe Fiddler. Hey everyone. So as mentioned before, we're really excited for Joe's topic today, um, but we thought we'd start off as usual with a little bit about what's been going on on in the community. Um, so James, what's been going on? Uh, well, this week, this week we've been um, focusing on the end of the cross-country season and, and get ourselves ready for the um, upcoming racing and track seasons. And so in the theme of that, building up the fitness and building up our intensities this week, our challenge has been to hit 15,000 steps um, in one day for the week, which Jake, I believe you did this morning, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I headed out and ticked one off this morning with a, a very, very long walk, longer than expected. But I was actually pretty uh, inspired by uh, reading a couple of things about previous Liverpool uh, football club owner and massive sort of housing estate empire owner, um, Steve Morgan, who always routinely got up and did 10,000 steps before breakfast. And um, it was listening to his own dedication to his health and well-being on the high performance podcast that uh sort of inspired this challenge and um and actually resonated quite strongly with me and how doing things like this is so important for keeping us fit and performing at our best so um so moving on to our theme of the week this week being macronutrients or an introduction to macronutrients meal timing and and how we can calculate our macronutrient profiles for ourselves we've got nutritionist joe fiddler with us but I want to open the floor to start to think about what do macronutrients mean to you guys um, and have you any experience with them? Yeah, sure. So um, where I think of macronutrients, just sort of think carbs but as a like sort of, sort of semi-athlete. All I think about is just making sure I just get a ton of carbs in because that's like essentially gives you energy. So like, I think that's the main one which I'm mainly worried about. But also if, you, if I was more of a swimmer or more of like a bodybuilder in the gym i'd probably look at more protein get the protein in but as a cyclist i, I generally just think carbs I occasionally put some sugar like just plain sugar in some water, my water bottles to keep me going and and that's a that's a perfectly reasonable way to look at it um and that's i think one of the beautiful things that comes with that base knowledge of of, of medicine like you have agon and um and some of those other bits joe have you got any any initial thoughts um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what you said is is you know spot on. Um, and from an athlete perspective, you know, looking at carbs and looking solely at carbs to begin with is you know, it was obviously a great start because they are in in these sports in endurance sports. You know, you're going to use those as energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what sort of we're going to look at, I guess today is is we're going to sort of take a deeper dive into you know uh, both or all three proteins, fats and carbs. Um, and we're going to look sort of a little bit more into what else they're used for um, and obviously how we can apply appropriate meal timing into sport. Uh, and then sort of towards the end of and end of the topic, we've got a little bit of just a, an example of maybe how to work out um, your own macronutrients and then devise a plan of attack for your training around that um, calculation at the end. Yeah. And, and this is where the discussion, I think, today or this this week gets really interesting is that as medical students um as well as professionals and that on on the call that we've got a really interesting broad array of of different views on the topic so for example that the bits you've sent over it's interesting that in medical school we've we're taught slightly differently and and it's very much a distinction between how we work as athletes and the basics that we need as 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 humans and that i'm excited to to maybe have a more didactic talk so i guess let's jump into it 
Yeah, I mean, obviously that that introduction is, is sort of breaks down sort of where we're going to work. So if we if we hit off right at the beginning, we're going to start with proteins um, and we're going to finish with carbohydrates and then obviously move on to the meal timing and the calculations at the end. Um, so if we start with proteins, um, arguably, uh, like was mentioned earlier, you know, if you're looking at maybe a swimmer or a bodybuilding type of view, this is probably the macronutrient that is is considered one of the most important um and possibly with endurance athletes can be especially in novices slightly neglected or neglected a little bit more than you know it obviously should be um with regards to that obviously protein is such an important factor in all of our diets it has a, a wide array of uh, uses in the body um obviously the big one that everyone considers is structure to begin with you know protein is what builds our muscle um nobody in sort of a novice or a um communal aspect obviously from where i come from um i started coaching transformation coaches and then more recently moved into introducing uh, nutrition coaching to my snc programs um not too many can people consider the other um elements that you know protein brings to the body um so those include immune functions you know or antibodies you know a type of protein and you know they're essential in in our immune system um we've got enzymatic function so digestive enzymes that break down the food um into its constituent nutrients um as well as its metabolic process are all regulated by enzymes um we've got transportation you know hemoglobin in the blood that's a type of protein uh, and as obviously i'm sure you're more than aware um with your medical background um carrying oxygen around the whole body um, your hormonal function like insulin and thyroxin um, insulin looking more we're going to look into that a little bit later when we go down the carbohydrate route um, and then the other one's buffering so you know our body is kept within this narrow ph range and you know proteins are used to keep that so um, but i mean to start with obviously in this protein topic we are going to start with structure um, and we're going to look at possibly how we can use maybe some supplementation to increase the our recovery rates you know decrease muscle soreness um and we'll sort of look around that sort of thing um so obviously and if you guys think of any questions you know off the spot or anything just feel free to jump right in and yeah have at it yeah yeah i wanted i wanted to pitch in and and just it always amazes me that the, how these three simple macronutrients really are the absolute building blocks of everything that we need as humans and athletes, give or take some, some small micronutrients as well. But um, protein here, like currently with, with, I mean, everything going on in the world, immune function and, and hormonal function and, and everything else, it's keeping our bodies, it's, it's really regulating that sort of homeostasis and making sure that we have those building blocks to do everything. And um, yeah. And it's so ex or interesting to think that small modifications to our diet and as athletes or as individuals, this, this has a massive knock-on effect to how we perform and function on a daily basis. And so, yeah, learning more about it like this is, is absolutely perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, you know, especially especially at the minute with everything we've got going on, um, you know, around immune function, you know those small changes that you can make to your diet to increase increase your uh, amount of protein you know it, it will help in the long run um and it's and you know learning a little bit more about that today and possibly you know the cheaper ways you know for students if if and where there are any students listening um because i know you know from working in a gym environment on a university campus one of the most commonly asked questions is how do I afford it? You know, how do I afford to eat three, four chicken breasts a day when I'm on university budget? Um, but you know, there are there are ways around that. There are cheaper ways to do this. Um, if we obviously just moving on, if we start to look at um, the actual structure of proteins, you know, they they're built of, they're built up with amino acids, um, and this is where we're sort of going to go down the supplement route. Um, so. There are two types of amino acids um, and they're split into essential amino acids and non-essential amino acids. Um, 
you know, your essential ones, these are the ones that we can't make within our body. These are the ones we have to consume. We have to get in some way. Um, and with these, you need all of them in order to build muscle. So when, when we're talking about training and when we're looking at our own performance, um, regardless of whether you're in the weight room doing an SNC session or whether you're doing a hard session on the bike, you're going to be breaking down muscle fibers. Um, and that's what elicits growth. That's what will elicit a better power response, you know, on the bike. If you're talking about power numbers, swimming, when you're talking about speed, you know, through your shoulders, through your lats. Um, so as we're breaking those muscles down, obviously, we want to be building as well. So we want to be building strength. We want to build power. And along with that comes muscles. Um, you know, you don't see many track cyclists with small legs nowadays. Um, so with that, you have the essential amino acids and you need all nine of those essential amino acids in order to build, in order to build muscle. Um, and this is where in a gym environment, uh, essential amino acids are often confused with branch, branch chain amino acids. Um, and in a supplementation, uh, branch chain amino acids only contain three or possibly four of your essential amino acids um, that are needed to, to build the muscle, which is why they're slightly less effective than uh, essential amino acids. Going down to the non-essentials um these are these are amino acids that can be made within our body you know we, we're not needed to get these from an external source so if we're going to look at um possible ways to increase our protein intake or increase our um response to training so increase our recovery we're looking possibly down the route of supplementing with eaas um you know there's eaa supplements within that you can take within your workout um and as was mentioned right at the beginning you know when we said about putting sugar in your workout uh, you know in your intra-workout drink as a form of carbohydrates which we'll move on to later um mixing that with a potential eaa or maybe having that post-workout will help elicit that um, recovery process yeah and and again if, if we take it back to last week's theme of the week with uh, a vegan diet and and trying out veganuary it's one of those those things that's always flagged up with being a vegan is getting that essential amino acid profile and mm. and making sure that you hit all of those uh those amino acids so that you're able to build muscle and able to recover appropriately and and it's it's often a misconception or might get overlooked um when transitioning to a vegan diet and things like that and that's not obviously the point of today's podcast or talk um but going on to consider how we choose to diet and how we choose to eat. It's important that we do take into account those changes and, and the actual knock-on effect they might have. Now, one thing I'm curious, Joe, and, and hopefully something that, that you know more on than me is I've never truly understood BCAAs. Um, have you any more insight into, into their actual function and use? In, if, I, if I'm going to be completely honest, um, and this is coming from, obviously, I had a long stint in um, show prep and bodybuilding and um, powerlifting and things like that. Uh, and from a completely honest point of view, BCAAs, in my mind, are useless. You know, at the end of the day, they're a waste of money. Um, if, you're, if you're looking to use something as a supplement that is going to help you recover and is going to help you possibly intra-workout, mainly post-workout, um, you want to look at that amino acid profile. You want to be checking the back of the packs and you want to be looking for an essential amino acid um, complex instead of the branch chain amino acids, which I believe is usually uh, isoleucine, leucine, and one other one, which has slipped my mind. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're going to look to use a supplement, um, which, you know, EAAs have been proven to um, help your recovery rates, you know, marginally, marginally, we're talking marginal gains now, which, you know, if you add up lots of marginal gains can, can equate to quite large gains, um, then you want to be looking down the amino acid panel and you want to make sure it's got all nine of those essential amino acids. Yeah. And, uh, and again, one, one of those small take homes is, is again, that we don't need to get swept up in the, in the sort of hustle and bustle of jumping onto these BCAA trends and things like that, but taking some time to make informed decisions like that is, is really useful. Um, 
moving on to fats though what 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 have we got yeah yeah again i mean you know and again when we talk about diets and when we look um traditionally if we if we talk out of a sports component you know fats are always seen as this bad thing you shouldn't be eating um you know that and there's there is a phrase that a lot of people throw around that are less educated in the in the uh, subject and that's fats make you fat when in actual fact you know we we've seen a rise of ketogenic bodybuilders and we've seen a rise of ketogenic athletes um and it's that's simply not true so however there are a lot of benefits from eating more fats than than usual or a good amount of fats anyway and those include you know transportation again similar to proteins um we have fat soluble vitamins which will probably move on and look at in maybe a different podcast in the future and we'll go down vitamin mineral route um but yeah we have we have fat soluble vitamins um so they're used to transport those vitamins around it's used for fuel for cells um you know fats combined with oxygen provide energy uh, it's used for insulation and protection um you know when we store fat especially around the vital organs that's used as protective layer and then you know as subcontinuous fat it's it's used around the outside of the body as insulation to keep you warm um we've got uh, a large store of fats that is used as energy anyway um in more often than not in a in a list form of cardio for those that obviously don't know what the acronym is that's low intensity steady state cardio so that's talking more your you know your zone one rides runs um you know walks even um that's your fats are used as a a main energy source there and obviously again one of the major ones and again looking at that protection but it's also used as a structural component brain tissue so we want to make sure we're getting enough fats in there um as well as hormone production so we can see uh that you know studies previously have shown um you know with people with really really low fat diets um potentially having uh negative effects on um, hormone production testosterone estrogen things like that yeah, and and fats again come into that synthesis, and, and cholesterols come into the into those synthesis of hormones, as you say, and um, and it got massively bad press several years ago. And like like you mentioned, is that fats do have a bad reputation, and not necessarily for the right reason. Um, a lot of things now point towards excess carbs and and refined sugars and things like that. But again, that that may be a fad, or it. But the evidence seems to suggest that those can have bigger effects to putting on fat and things like high fructose diets and things like that uh, can be rapidly turned to adipose tissue and fat storage. Um, whereas a high fat diet, although can, can be bad, depends again on the sorts of fat and, and the things that we intake in that area. So, so yeah, have you got any more information on, on bits like that? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, as, as you said, um, you know, we, we're going to move on to sort of um, the carbohydrates and the storage of excess carbohydrates in, in the carb section. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, it, it got such bad reputation. But since then, I, I, I'd like to think that people's perceptive perspectives are changing. Um, and people maybe you know, within this community will take away from this podcast that, um, you know, we, we can use fats as a, as a fuel source, you know, we can use, um, we can use them pre post workout. And I know a couple of slides later on, we'll go into sort of pre post workout fueling and what um, might be ideal but if you're following a ketogenic diet for health reasons or you know just your personal things I've, I've done it before um i did it for a little while and it's I, I found it amazing you know it was really good um i ran into more of a funding issue with it than anything else um uh but yeah i you know i think as long as the perspective perception of it is changing um and it's sort of on the rise and getting out of that bad reputation i think that's that the awareness is more what we need to be need to be looking at um obviously what we're talking about now is is sort of different types of fats um 
and possibly what you should maybe more be aiming to eat and and what you should be refraining from more than anything um so obviously moving on to that we're going to go down the route of uh, saturated mono unsaturated and polyunsaturated fats um what are considered the bad fats as we all sort of already know you know saturated fats are what of what of boosted that bad reputation um you know people eating a lot of excess high sodium meats um you know bacon cooked in butter and things like that that's where that bad reputation is, is sort of come from so with our saturated fats that's we're looking down the lines of you know meat fats lards buttercream cheeses um and things like coconut and palm oils um and and there there are bad fats and those are the ones that we want to sort of be eating with reserve um however if you are looking to sort of boost your fat content or if you notice that you're have a low fat diet maybe you're getting tired more often um you know you're feeling low energy levels and even from a, a satiation point of view if you're getting hungry after every meal straight away if you try and boost those fats up in those meals that might keep you fuller for longer um that's been that's been a proven effective eating fats um we're looking monounsaturated fats is uh, things like your olive oil and your rapeseed oil and these are possibly um what is regarded as one of the most beneficial fatty acids as they have a, a minimal effect on cholesterol levels um and then looking at your polyunsaturated fats that's your omega-6s uh, omega-3s things that are found obviously in um fish oil tablets and oily fish so mackerel salmons uh, and it's recommended that we get sort of two servings of fish a week um i know for some people including myself that doesn't happen every week um which is not ideal and it's something that i oh, mean personally this year i'd like to work on um but you know they they can help in things like cholesterol metabolism and production of those bile acids which um ultimately get excreted into the, the digestive tract um yeah yeah and and i, I like the, the distinction you've made so the the sort of takeaway here i find is that those saturated fats are the fats at room temperature so you can go off that with sort of those the lard butter as you say all those things that we're adding onto our foods in uh in quantity and of solid matter whereas those lovely monounsaturated fats and the more good fats like you say are those liquids at room temperature and then finally those polyunsaturated fats things like the mediterranean diet and and those sorts of living by the coast uh lovely spanish vibes that we get there are, <laughs> as they seem to be protective for sort of cardiovascular health um as we get into old age and and all those other benefits that are associated with eating polyunsaturated fats now one of the interesting ones that i found out lately was those omega-3s we always associate with incredible cognitive function and different areas like that whereas a few papers that i've read uh have been making that distinction less so and and possibly saying that despite they have a massive role in 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 cognitive development they might not have as huge a role in maintenance but the bit with polyunsaturated fats so is, is it's it's the whole diet that that for example a mediterranean diet gives you is that it's more than just the cognitive benefits so there's a load of cardiovascular benefits um keeps our heart healthy for longer and means that we can generally live a, a slightly longer high quality life um yeah. and that's one of the joys of being a med uh, or starting to think <laughs> about it from a medical perspective is as athletes and as individuals we know that with information like this we're getting as healthy and as strong as we can be um, yeah 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 absolutely yeah um and like you like you said I'm, and i'm sure you know um from a medical perspective that you know there are use cases of people on mediterranean diets and diets high in those fats especially later on in life that are living longer and yeah like you said healthier lives yeah and and again that's just exciting on a side note but um <laughs> let, let, let's let's continue on with the uh yeah the introduction and, and let's hear the, the big the big one at the mm -hmm. end yeah absolutely so obviously we're going to finish with a bang um we're going to finish with the biggest one mentioned at the beginning um, we're going to look at carbohydrates and sugars um and although it has multiple uses 
the major use for carbohydrates, especially in a sporting perspective, especially looking at endurance athletes, um, even all the way down to, you know, um, a smaller distance, you know, sprinters, um, 5Ks, 2,500s, things like that. Um, carbohydrates have a major function and that is energy production. Um, and no matter what carbohydrate you're eating, your body is ultimately going to convert it and absorb it into the blood as glucose um, at, at a very basic level. Um, we're going to be using glucose as its fuel of energy and it doesn't matter where it comes from what carbohydrate it comes from that's that's that um this is where sort of we get insulin involved and following the consumption of carbohydrates our blood glucose levels start to rise which causes that release of instant insulin um which helps ultimately our body um, absorb that glucose into the muscles into the skeletal muscles um, and then from there, it's oxidized to produce energy. Um, and any of that excess energy that we have in our body is then stored, um, stored in a couple of places, stored in the muscles, stored in the liver. Um, and then once our storage cells there are saturated, it's then converted and stored as fat as adipose tissue, um, which, again, linking it back to the fats, multiple uses, obviously, as storage, you know, our protection, our insulation. Um, and yeah, but, but looking at it from an energy perspective, um, we will break it down into two types of carbohydrates. Um, we're looking simple and complex. So our simple carbohydrates are those refined sugars, you know, as we mentioned earlier, linking back to those diets, um, that's our monosaccharides and our disaccharides, you know, glucose, fructose, and galactose, um, sucrose, lactose, and maltose. Um, these tend to come from, you know, we, we think of them as quick release energy, you know, um, our general day-to-day -day sugars, fruits, milk, veg, things like that. Some of them do provide nutrients. Um, so we get, we get our vitamins and minerals from there, which we'll move on to in obviously a separate podcast as we could go down that rabbit hole and talk forever. Um, and then we've got our, our complex uh, carbohydrates. Those are our polysaccharides found in starchy foods, such as your pastas, uh, whole grain rices, nuts, oats, uh, chickpeas. Um, and the difference between these two, and this is where we'll dive in slightly more towards meal timing, um, and especially in the next next couple of slides or next couple of chapters of this this podcast will will dive sort of into meal timing um simple carbohydrates they are those quick release energy that is quick release energy that will cause a much higher spike um in your blood glucose and it will come crashing down a lot quicker as well so we've got for those of you that are watching the podcast um we've got that that high peak uh, straight after we eat those simple sugars or those refined sugars and then we've got quite a fast decline back down after our insulin's been released um, and it's doing its job. We've got a crash, crash essentially. Um, and then our complex carbohydrates, these are the ones that are going to provide us with long energy release. So we've got a much lower peak in our blood glucose um, levels, our blood sugar levels. And then we've got a much shallower decrease. So it's taking a lot longer to bring those blood glucose back, levels back down to where they were um which is causing a a more sustainable release of energy yeah and and this is something that we can really take advantage of as as athletes again to work with our protein and fat and then once we dial down how we can fuel efficiently for longer distance events and longer distance training sessions we can come back and utilize that so if we're crashing if we're hitting that wall then we take a quick gel or a quick uh bit of fruit or different things like that a, a quite well a simple a simple refined sugar which can get into our bloodstream fast and yeah it's going to cause that crash but it's going to give us that little bit of energy needed and then those complex carbohydrates uh we can think about if we're getting our fueling right and if we're getting everything in the right proportion and we really train our body through digesting and training and balancing of those things then we can 
as you've mentioned, use those massively to our advantage, sustain the effort and make sure that we train hard, hit the right metrics and, and fuel our body in the right way, um, which I think yeah. is is pretty much fundamental as athletes. And it's that fourth discipline in triathlon that we sometimes forget to think about. And particularly as, um, as we move up distances from sprint or standard distance where you only need a couple gels to get round or maybe a, a, a planned specific meal beforehand and a couple gels during. Um, whereas once you, once you hit half Ironman or Ironman, that's, that's when this comes into its own of that's the difference between a, a seven and a half hour Ironman for the pros and, them trickling in nine and a half hours because they've got it all wrong but um but yeah so i think that that's perfect timing and and proportion to move on to the bit that i'm less informed about and something that you're definitely in working one-to-one with yourself is is massively beneficial to many but talk talk to us about meal timing and how we can use that as athletes yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you know, it, it ties on so nicely talking about carbohydrates, talking about those simple and complex carbs, um, and then moving on to meal timing and maybe a breakdown of those macronutrients in sport. Um, and one thing that I'll, I'll mention in our, in our breakfast, our first meal and our evening meal um, is sort of the state of body, you know, that we want to be in when we're eating those meals. But, you know, these this meal timing thinking about and just considering at a minimum um, of when you sort of want to be eating pre intra post and obviously for breakfast and dinner as well. It, it could have a, a very long lasting effect on your performance, especially over, you know, a half to a whole Ironman distance. Um, and one of the things that in any of my nutrition clients, in any nutrition plans, any consultations that I'll do, um, I'll always stress that everything that you trial and a lot of nutrition, unfortunately, it's not an exact science. It, a lot of it is trial and error and working out what works best for you. Um, a lot of what you do trial should be around your own digestive capabilities. So if you can't say, take me and you, Jake, um, you know, for example, one of us might digest 20 grams of protein perfectly, and then the other one might have some gastric distress around around 20 grams of protein, which is absolutely fine. And that's that's the way your own body is is digesting and dealing with that. But we just need to be aware after experimenting for a little bit, we need to be making notes and just working around that. So if we start off with breakfast, obviously the first thing, um I'm a huge advocate of keeping breakfast post-workout and evening meals relaxed you know we know that digestion is a parasympathetic activity it's a relaxed calmed activity so ensuring that you're not you know running out the door with a slice of toast in your hand if you're late for work you know if you have the opportunity and you are late for work make breakfast at work or have breakfast or wake up earlier you know just make sure you're relaxed around that time of meal um it's going to help your digestion massively um Again, in an ideal scenario, you're looking at your whole grains, your longer lasting carbohydrates, those complex carbs, um, you're looking at whole grains, oats, cereals, and in an ideal world, our macronutrient split would be higher carbohydrate, uh, medium to moderate fat level and a lower protein level. Um, obviously, protein is quite hard digestion, uh, digesting. So if we're keeping that low, we're ensuring we can roll through the day nice and easy. Um, moving on to our pre-workout meal, which again, experimenting highly with how long or how short before a workout you can eat these meals. Um, I'd obviously start recommend probably a few hours. Um, and if it's a longer training session, definitely, but just try and get these um, complex carbs in again, you know, your rice, oats, grains. Um, and as a macronutrient split, again, we're looking much higher on the carbohydrates, uh, lower fats and lower proteins on both of these. Um, and that's going to be sort of our theme throughout until we get sort of post-workout and evening meal um now so moving on and intra-workout obviously anything below an hour below sort of 45 minutes an hour possibly not needed for any intra-workouts unless you find over experience that you do flag a, 
a half hour mark um, for whatever reason. Uh, but again, this is going to be very, very much, and this one is the most important um, to work out around your own gastrointestinal capabilities. So your, your digestive capabilities. Um, if we're starting nice and low, so start 20 grams of carbohydrates per hour from a, a quick release source, you know, whether that's jelly beans on the bike, glucose gels, powders. Um, and then as soon as we're sort of up into maybe, you know, one to two plus hours of training, we can start looking at things like maybe flapjacks or oat bars or something like that. That's going to get us maybe a little bit like of a longer release um, of energy. And with that intro, we're, we're not looking at taking any fats. We're not looking at taking any proteins. We just want to get the carbohydrates in. We want to crack on with the training session. Um, and again, I can't stress enough to start light and then work your way out from there. So start at 20 grams up to 25, 30, 40, 50, whatever you need, just start light because trying to find a toilet on a trail race you know, three hours in is not a nice experience. <laughs> um, and then, so moving on after your training, after your race, your post-workout, um, looking at something, again, we're going to have a bit of a mix between these complex and quick-release carbs. Obviously, we need to replace that energy. We need to get it straight back in, but we don't want to have a massive crash afterwards. Um, something I like to do a lot is I, I liked uh, whole grain cereals or um, shredded wheat. Uh, Weetabix, things like that afterwards. And I would mix a serving of protein. Uh, so usually protein powder in with protein shake and use that as my milk. Um, and then have some toast with some quick release. So some honey, some jams, things like that as well. So we're getting a nice, a nice mix of complex and simple carbohydrates in there. Um, in terms of just, just an overall uh, macronutrient perspective again we're looking in higher carbohydrates uh, probably between one and two servings of protein and then low to moderate fats so you know and post-workout look for something you enjoy you know if if, if you don't want to eat chicken and rice post-workout which to be honest i can't imagine most people would um look for something that you actually enjoy eating and that you will be able to get a decent amount down you to, to replenish those that energy uh, and then in the evening again so with this post and evening meal we're looking at getting our heart rate back down to resting you know take a resting heart rate use that as a base and and try and get it back down to that parasympathetic state you know relax don't come bustling straight through the door off of a hard ride and throw two bananas in you it's just just go up, have a shower, get chilled out, watch some TV and just chill out and relax. Um, moving on to the evening meals. Um, again, a free meal, you know, have what you enjoy, eat with the family, cook something yourself um, and try and keep it a nice even split between carbohydrates, fats and proteins. You know, it might not be the best thing to go insanely high on the fats, um, but from a diet perspective, we all know the diet that works best is one we can follow. Um, and if that means that, you know, one day you want a cheat meal as much as I, I hate that term. Um, if you want to have a off plan meal or something that you just really crave and enjoy, have it. Um, and other than that, you know, get yourself a home cooked meal. Like I said, eat with your family, eat with your girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, whatever. Um, and, and just enjoy it, but just try and keep a nice, even spread of those macronutrients. Yeah, and and I think you're hitting the nail on the head again with with making it consistent and making it something that you look forward to and and as being a it's a it's a part of life and if we don't enjoy it then then something needs to change I think as well um, yeah. and and from a coaching perspective it's it's one of those learning curves that takes time and and intra workout particularly it's it's where a lot of people do end up going wrong and for example myself I used to revel in the fact that I would take a fruit basket out with me uh, up on a, on, a, on a long ride at the weekend and I'd fill my pockets with like uh, two plums, two bananas, couple apples and all these different bits. But when I got back and, and I started to get into coaching and looking more at how I could improve seriously for the long term and get competitive, I realized that although I had 
mountains of food in my pockets. I was only having 400 calories for, for three, four, four, five hours. And I was wondering why I was bonking or, or tiring so soon. And it's when you start to look at those macronutrient breakdowns and, the, and how many carbs you're getting per hour and, and working your way up to 50, 60 grams an hour. It takes time, as you say, but for those at home, one of those things that I, I recommend to all athletes, first of all, is to look at the packaging of that bar that you're eating. And, and if it's 25 grams of carbs, well, you can take two of those an hour and there's no worry of putting weight on or anything like that. You're burning more than that off. And, um, and so, yeah, experimenting, looking at the packaging and those sorts of bits, as all as you mentioned, are, are so incredible for us to just learn and take, take advantage of. Um, and I've got some other questions, but I want to save them to the end um, yeah, just yeah. to get yeah, your, own, your own personal opinion because <laughs> I'm interested to see. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, to finish off with, and this is a point that if, you know, at home, um, if you're listening on a podcast, you might want to grab a pen and paper because it's going to be, there's going to be quite a lot of numbers thrown at you. Um, but we're, we're just going to go into some very basic calculations of, of how to work out your own macronutrients um, and sort of how to create possibly a, a macronutrient plan around your goals. Um, and the first thing that I've, I will always stress and have to stress is that it's not an exact science. You know, at the end of the day, these are numbers on a piece of paper and your body will work differently. Um, your body will require slightly more slightly less and and that's just we'll go into that slightly later and how to you know work around that and how to work that out you know and how to get it exact but to start with it's not going to be exact you might gain a little bit of weight you might lose a little bit of weight um those first first few weeks after going into this is is very much trial and error um so the first thing we need to understand is is calories and how many calories are in our macronutrients and as a basic, um, we're not going to go into alcohols. We're just going to keep it carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Um, we're going to go into you know proteins and carbs. They both have four calories per gram, um, and that's that's a staple. No matter what protein, no matter what carbohydrate, if it's one gram of carbs, one gram of proteins, it will have four calories in it. And fats, they have nine calories, so slightly higher. Um, and all of a sudden, you can start to understand why, you know a jar of peanut butter has a lot more calories in it than a jar of jam. Um, so we're looking four for protein, four for carbohydrates and nine for fats. The second thing we've got to do is we have to, or you don't have to, but it's a slightly easier calculation if you convert your body weight into pounds um, and you get a slightly more accurate number. So simple calculation, it's your body weight in kilograms times 2.2. Um, and that will get you your rough, your rough weight in pounds. Um, next, you're going to find your rough BMR. So this is your basal metabolic rate. This is the metabolic rate that you're, you know, this is the amount of calories your, your body needs to burn. And this is going to include activity. Um, this is the amount of calories your body needs to burn to function on a daily basis. Um, so for men, um, we're looking at our body weight in pounds times 14 to 16. Um, depending on your activity level, obviously, you know, with the community and the, the activities that everyone here is producing, I would probably say most people are on that higher spectrum. They're on the, the 15, 16s. And then for women, it's going to be 12, 12 to 14 to start with. Um, and then obviously this is again, very rough. Um, we'll make, we can make adjustments after we've got this first number, after we've got the initial weeks out of the way. Uh, and now, now we can start to work out. So once we've got that number, now we can start to work out our, our proteins, fats, and carbohydrate breakdown. So what we're going to do is we are going to take proteins. Um, and to start with, we're just going to do one gram per pound of body weight. So I've broken this down and obviously I've got PowerPoint slides of this presentation. So if anyone wants those, feel free to get in contact with me and I can send them out. Um, and well, I've got an example. So I've got an example of an 80 kilogram man um, who's active. So their basic basal metabolic rate at 176 pounds times 16 is 2,816 calories a day as their, as their BMR. 
Um, now we're going to use one gram per pound of body weight. So for the, the 176 pound male is going to be 176 grams of protein. Now, this is, this is where the calculations obviously get involved. If we times that number by four, which we're going to need later on, we get the calories. Uh, so for 176 grams of protein, that entails 704 calories. Uh, so it's, it's 176 times four, that gives you your calories. Uh, moving on to fats is what we're going to need next is we're going to need uh, body weight in pounds and then times 0.4 to 0.5. And I like to leave this very much personal and down to what the person likes to eat. If they like higher fattier foods, then we push towards that 0.5. Um, and if they like, you know, the cleaner rices, pastas, you know, things like that, we bring it back down towards the 0.4. Uh, for this individual, as an example, I've got, um, you know, as he, he likes a higher fat diet, so we've pushed into 0 0.5. So 176 pounds times 0 0.5, that'd be 88 grams of fat. Now times that by nine to get the calories is we've got 792 calories from fats. Now the carbohydrates is what's going to make up the remainder of the calories. So we've got four calories per gram. Uh, we need to work out how many calories we've used up so far, um, you know, in our in our stash, in our bank of calories from our, our metabolic rate. Um, so we're looking at adding the calories from our protein to the calories from our fats, uh, which for our example is 1496, so 1496 calories. We then subtract that number from our total BMR, which is 1000. 320 that gives us that's what's left and then we divide that number by four to get our grams um and that will give us so 1320 divided by four will give us 330 grams of carbohydrates uh, and that gives you your your basic metabolic rate um broken down into macronutrients so that's if you were going to try and sustain your weight that's not if you didn't want to put on weight that's not if you wanted to take away um from there if you want to put on some weight I would recommend starting with an additional 100 calories from carbohydrates. And if you want to lose some weight, start by decreasing those calories by hundred from carbohydrates. So you're looking hundred calories divided by four, take that away from the carbs and that, or add it to the carbs. And that gives you your basic starting place for the first couple of weeks. This is going to be very rough it's going to take trial and error you might lose some weight you might put on some weight but after that couple of weeks you then just make the you make the changes you make the subtraction you make the addition from carbohydrates to start with ideally um until a certain point and then we start taking it away from fats trying to keep our proteins the same uh proteins is going to be very much dependent on again like we said your digestive capabilities um, so if, if one gram per pound of body weight doesn't work for you for proteins, if you find you're, you've got some tummy problems, um, if you find you're not able to digest that as much, you can drop that down, you know, drop it down to 0.8, see how you feel there. And then from there, you can, you know, you can work forwards. Yeah. And, and this is the slide where in medical school, it's, well, really, it's, it's both similar and, and very diverse <laughs> distinction distinctive so the bit that really jumps out at me is and this is purely now going into metaphorical sort of situations and and we're looking at individuals and maybe hospital patients versus athletes but the nhs recommends 0.6 grams uh, per kilo of body weight per day so not even per pound that's uh, per kilo so for this for this 80 kilo man we're talking 55, 50 calorie, uh, 50 grams of protein, which is quite interesting when you think about the repercussions that that may have to their physical stature, to their, again, maintenance of muscle and different things like that. And, and it always interests me because we're taught that as medical professionals. And if you go to a coaching class, whether it's running, triathlon, strength and conditioning, anything like that, then... They, they advertise 1.4, 1.6, 1.8, a, a gram per kilo more, which is a huge extra. Um, and it's one of those things that we don't really think about at home when we get to the nitty and gritty of this sort of stuff. But I always find it pretty mesmerizing that those in hospital who maybe aren't at their peak condition and need that recovery, they often don't get the protein that they may need 
uh, or or deserve to be at their fittest health. But but one of the beautiful yeah. things that I think we put there is just cutting calories. If we if you're trying to lose weight or get to a race weight or things like that, it's starting so slow and and a hundred calories a day is is a significant amount when you add it up over time. And like for those for those at home, a pound of fat has about three thousand five hundred calories. And and so if you really want consistent measured weight loss, things like just a hundred couple hundred calories a day really add up. And um, it's one of the best ways, as Joe's mentioned, that, that you can be consistent, make sure that you're still not hungry all the time and, and getting ir- irritable or things like that. Um, and again, it's, it's a distinction with medicine. So they, they recommend a, a drop in 500 calories a day so that you use a pound a week. Um, and it's those sorts of things where unless you start to take situational judgment and experience into account, but again, it's interesting as, as a, both a, a, an athlete and a medical perspective, the, the training that we get in those areas. But let's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been an incredible presentation. And I do want to jump <laughs> swiftly into a couple Q&As because we've got some questions yeah, ready, ready and raring. But getting your own personal opinion um, and, and the takeaways here, have we got any questions from the guys, the audience? Uh, yeah, I've I've uh, got a question. I was talking to a friend the other day who says they're a cereal, they're they're a cereal, um, eat their dinner in front of the TV kind of guy because they say it helps them relax. Which I thought was interesting because, as you've been saying, Joe, watching t- what it, you need to be able to relax to eat properly and digest. But I always thought sitting in front of the TV you'd digest your food really badly. So I wasn't sure. I'm sure that's probably quite a common thing that people do. So I wasn't <laughs> sure what your opinion on that is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, from, you know, from a perspective of being relaxed and going back to talking that um, digestion is a parasympathetic activity, obviously, there are, there are positions that where we're eating, it might be more comfortable and aid digestion a little bit. So being slouched, you know, down on the sofa, on the TV, near enough lying down probably isn't the most optimal position to be eating in. Um, but if, if, it's, if, it, if that's what gets you relaxed um, and, you know, that's where, you know, you feel comfortable and you can get your heart rate down, um, if, you, if you're sitting at the dining table, perhaps eating, t- uh, eat, not eating TV, um, eating dinner, watching TV. Um, you know, if you're getting down into that, into that parasympathetic state, then I don't, I don't see a problem with that personally. One thing I, I would stress, um, and it's something that at university I struggled with. Um, and Jake, I don't know if you maybe found the same thing, but is the distinction between eating, sleeping and working is, was was paramount for me and both from a mental health perspective and, and a physical health was the fact that I, I found myself at university you know sitting on my bed watching tv eating food um and now looking back on that there I, I would say that there has to be some clear distinction so if you're in your bedroom try and make an effort to move away from your bedroom you know keep your bedroom for sleeping keep the dining table for eating and, and keep your desk for working um, just make that distinction between it and it just that might aid aid both your accountability and and just the way you feel in general yeah and and one of those beyond building on that is is i've, I've read a few bits around um conscious eating and making sure that you're alert to what's going on and and I've found that in both reading experience and in terms of, of seeing it, I, you may find it at home as well, but when you're sat in front of that TV, you don't think about what you're eating and you maybe eat faster and you don't get to enjoy it and feel satiated, satiated afterwards. And, um, and I've always sort of from, from those articles and reading taken away that if you can sit down and, and enjoy your meal and company with the meal and things, if that's available to you, then it's a much more long-term satisfying way of um, satiating your diet and, and making sure that you don't overeat and things like that. Um, I had another one around breakfast and just from a completely personal perspective, 
what what do you have for breakfast <laughs> what do i have for breakfast um so i am i'm a proper stickler for routine um and i routinely will have um quick oats so just quaker porridge oats usually two sachets of you know the quick stuff um with a banana um and possibly you know some days nutella um a a source of sort of quick energy um honey jam something like that mixed in over christmas period definitely chocolate um and yeah no getting away from that so yeah yeah and uh it's one of those funny ones i've friend friends and and those all those instagram bowls that we see it's it's (laughs) one of those things that i think is absolutely incredible if you can get into that routine of, of those perfect bowls but for myself i've always been a weetabix man and just uh ticking away at those is, is, <laughs> is, is a staple for me um yeah. yeah any other questions from the audience just just, just for everyone who's listening um quick point that jake when he says he's a he likes weetabix he can get through about tw- goes through about 24 a day <laughs> yeah um and and that is oh, to be fair that's that's a little known fact but for probably the last 10 years at least of my life um i've averaged at least i'd 16 to 20 a day um which is no small feet and they never get worse they're incredible um, but yeah if i don't know if it's a champion's diet but uh, there must be some good macronutrient breakdown in it. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah any other questions uh, I was just going to say that, well, I, I, I'm complete opposite in that I don't have breakfast. <laughs> and I probably had my first meal of the day at sort of like 2 p.m. But I just yeah. thought on a, on a different note is that um, I saw you, you said about coconut oil and how that's considered a bad fat. Um, I feel like that's very contra- that's not a very well known fact in the public perception. And that people, people tend to associate coconut, coconut oil, coconut fat with, oh, it's healthy. Or you try and like substitute olive oil for coconut fat when cooking my bacon or something, something stupid like that. Like, is coconut fat bad for you? Um, so talking, obviously talking back to um, the presentation and, and going back to that section on fats, um, coconut oil, you know, as again, as Jake mentioned, it's a solid form room temperature um, is, it's considered a saturated fat is saturated fat. Um, it, it does taste nice um i will admit to that uh but it's there are some so there's there's some research that would state that it, it does you know provide some um nutrients as well um which may urge it towards a a healthier um saturated fat and again what we're looking at is it, in in a wider term we're looking at moderation so if there's potential that that is slightly healthier than lard for example um we're looking at you know steering not steering completely clear but maybe using that as an alternative to provide just some extra nutrients some extra vitamins some extra minerals in the diet okay because um yeah it's definitely an interesting point I'm just asking because, like, I know, I know, I know. If, uh, on the specific YouTube channel, which we're not sponsored by, so I won't mention it. Um, they, they've they're talking about. I think it's the EF Education nutritionist. He tends to use coconut oil and absolutely everything, but from from like from the sort of recipes he's been advertising, is there sort of, like is it is it the, is it the main main nutrients potential nutrients in that which may prove some benefit, or is it just all a myth that's yeah, yeah. Public, in public? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, so obviously in, in terms of looking at, you know, cooking oils and things like that, um, there's, you know, yeah, there are, there are potential nutrient benefits, um, from substituting that with something like, uh, sorry, substituting some of that olive oil, um, with coconut oil. And it's, it was something that was very big when keto kicked off. So when ketogenic diets kicked off, a lot of people were switching to coconut oil um, and it was, it was a very clear cut thing, but yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, um, I mean, I'm not sure I can't speak for the YouTube channel myself. I haven't seen it, um, but I could imagine it would, it would be because of the possible nutrient benefits over something like olive oil um, that, that he would be using it. Yeah. 
lovely and um and we and we have taken up a full hour now so i will i will uh say thank you very much joe uh for again a lovely chat and introduction to all things uh macronutrients and an initial outlook on what we can do to start not calorie counting but being aware of what we're eating and how we can make those changes to our diet to be faster athletes and happier individuals um now if you do want to make use of joe we are currently adding on the website uh links to go straight through to his his profile his channels and to see all of his services available um the podcast again is coming out all immediately or immediately this weekend for members and uh for those listening beyond that um in a couple of weeks time it will be out on all media sources so thank you again for your time joe brilliant thanks for having me no worries and uh, and thanks everyone for tuning in uh you've been listening to the jk journey podcast and we'll see you shortly